The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. All are welcome. We're glad you found us. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Empower yourself and get inspired to build the life of your dreams. Welcome to Everyday Peace with Dr. Drayvon James. Welcome to Everyday Peace with Dr. Drayvon James. I am your host, Dr. Drayvon James, and I am super excited about our time together today because we're going to do what we always do, explore the concept of developing a life of peace every day. Peace, defined as wholeness, completeness, nothing missing, nothing broken, totality. Just go ahead and breathe that in. Can you even imagine having a complete day of peace, let alone the life that we are building every day peace? That's right. You heard me right. Yes, it's possible. Yes, you can achieve it. And yes, you do deserve it. We are a community binding together on the concept of developing a life of peace every day. And it is with that in mind that I endeavor to bring guests like the guests that I have today, real live people doing real live things in ordinary water, just like the rest of us, just like the rest of us and making the choice to live a life of completeness, wholeness, nothing missing, nothing broken, totality, one decision at a time. And heartbreak, disappointment, it happens to all of us. But when we bind together in this type of energy, some ordinary people can do some extraordinary things. So I want to talk to you today about something that I know very little about. If you know Drayvon, you know that she doesn't know a lot about sports. Not a lot. I raise, I'm in a marriage with a guy who likes a lot of sports. At a 16-year-old, likes a lot of sports. My daughter and I, we were there cheerleading it along a little bit here and there. I pop in during the Super Bowl for the commercials. But I'm not, you know, a big sports person. But I appreciate the effort that goes into excellence, the effort that goes into the comeback. I like that kind of stuff. So the guest we have today, Mr. Mike Hill. I met him via his Instagram posts, or was it YouTube? I can't remember which. I like them both. And he he's on there as hashtag mic check. And just by chance, I'm goofing around one night and I click on this video and it just, we're going to talk about it a little bit later, but I knew like I knew that one day our paths would cross. And guess what? He's here on the show today. Mr. Mike Hill, welcome to the Everyday Peace Show with Dr. Drayvon James. Thank you for being here. It is my pleasure and my honor to be here, Dr. Drayvon, and everything that you just said just spoke to me, and it just, like, opened up my heart my mind, so I'm looking forward to this. Oh, thank you. That's how I felt. You know, <laughs> you know that song, I don't know if you're as old as me, but last night a DJ saved my life. <laughs> <laughs> I know it very well, very well. <laughs> so I was in a particular place this particular night. And just fumbling around on the internet like you tend to do when you get in those spaces. And you came across the my computer screen just as 
authentic as anything and talked about your experience with ESPN. But I don't want to start there because I know that my 16-year-old is not listening to the show live, but he will go to the archives. And he is so excited about this interview. And I got to start at the beginning because you are a sportscaster. And I really want you to walk me through your journey to um, to ESPN and beyond because you do so much more than sports casting. I just I don't want to stop there, but I want to start there because there are a lot of young men out here who are really looking up to you. Well, I appreciate that, and and I'm glad you said that I do more in sports because uh, these days I don't like to consider myself just a sports caster, and that's not anything cocky uh, or uh, egotistical. I just want to call myself a broadcaster because. I think the message that I want to put out goes way beyond sports. I think I'm more than just somebody who gives you sports. Uh, like you mentioned, I do my mic checks. I, I do entertainment. I do um, relationship advice. You know, I've been through a lot of different things in my life, and I think my platform has to be a little bit broader than sports, so that's why I consider myself a sportscaster now. I mean, a broadcaster now. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, sportscasting is what brought me into this fold, what got me my name, the platform that I use uh, on Fox Sports the last six years has uh, given my name a little bit more credibility and given me a little bit more of the limelight. Uh, but I kind of want to expand on that a little bit more. Uh, my background was in person. I, I grew up, I was born in the Bronx, raised in Alabama. Uh, went through a lot of difficulties in my life. Uh, my, my mom was abused. My stepfather um, was an abuser. He was found out he was a hitman. Uh, who spent the last nine years of his life in prison for murder for hire. My biological father wasn't around. So there's a lot of things I went through in my life along the way to lead me to this point of being the person that I am today and using the platform. So one of the things that I try and do in order to use my platform is I think I know God gave me this platform to speak to others and to help them uh, with their lives, not to just give them uh, some happiness when it comes to sports and highlights and whatnot. I understand that's part of my cause, but I at the same time to spread my truth and to spread my testimony uh, in order to let people know that they are not alone out here. Uh, and if I can do it, uh, just reach one person. I don't care if I get 100,000 views. Uh, if 10 people are affected by it and it can change their lives, then I feel like I'm living in my purpose uh, and in my faith, and, that, and that's what it's all about right now. Yeah, and I want to just say that you're absolutely so right. And I told my son that. I said, he is so much more than that. And uh, and he had an appreciation for that. And actually, he educated me a lot because, oh, yeah, he goes, I know. He goes, I follow him. I know where he is now. And, and that is wonderful. But I think part of the message that a lot of people miss, not just young people, is that you come from somewhere with your own story and your own heartache. And it isn't that if you just woke up one day and said, hey, I got something to say and I want to say it. That's something that you have to say was born out of what we will call heartache, trials and tribulations. And the same and, and every time saying, you know, I choose life. I choose peace. It may not be easy, mm -hmm. but I choose. And yeah, that is what makes you phenomenal. Yeah, well, I, I think that's, you know, but it's something that I had to learn along the way. Um, you know, I, I until recently, I was a totally different person. I mean, I, I was the person that did worry. I wasn't whole. I, I looked to others to kind of um, to supplement instead of compliment me. Uh, it affected a lot of relationships. It affected my marriages. It affected my uh, my relationships even with my two daughters, who I, who I love and, and hold uh, in, in a lot of regard, of course, and they are my partner. 
something that I had to learn along the way. It wasn't something that was innate in me. There were some things that I knew that made sense or whatever, and I felt a pull towards it, but there were a lot of life uh, tribulations and trials that I had to go through in order to get to the point to where I am right now. I thank God for where I am right now. I still have a long way to go uh, before I'm even anywhere close to perfect. He ain't done with me yet, as they always say. But uh, it's just the life lessons that you learn. I think that's the most important thing is that, you know, uh, my girlfriend says all the time, she says, I don't have any regrets. I have life lessons. But what do you learn from those life lessons that's going to have you not regretting uh, the future? So that's the way I live my life now. Uh, That's the way I try and help others to live their lives and help them to see things. But uh, I'm just so grateful for the life that I have lived. And I, I had to learn that I had to be happy and thankful and thank God for the, the, the bad things I've gone through just as much as the good things because without those bad things, I wouldn't appreciate the good things as much and I wouldn't fight as hard for them. So, you know, that's just where I am right now. Yeah, and I want to just, and, and, and I got to tell you, you posted, I follow you. So you posted something, and I want to say it's Instagram, guys. It really is Instagram. And you said something about how you were grateful when things go your way when when things don't go your way. And, and. That's true for a lot of us as a retrospective, right? We're in the, when you're in the thick of it, you're kind of like, oh, you know, but when you step back from that, you can see that there's a blessing in even those things that we call failures and disappointment. But let's go back to your childhood for a, a second because, you know, growing up in a household where you fight your mom's abuse and all of that, where yeah. did that initiative come from? Because I know you, you left high school, you went to the military, had some time there. Where did that first, I guess, love for to say, hey, I could be in broadcasting. I could, this is something that I could do. That's a good question. Um, well, it's funny because, I, you know, I thought growing up, like a lot of kids in certain neighborhoods, I thought I was going to be somebody to become famous because, you know, playing sports. But then I realized at an early age that, you know, I ain't really that good at this sports thing. I, mean, I like playing sports, but I, I, Mike Hill ain't going to the NBA. Mike Hill ain't going to the NFL or playing Major League Baseball. Uh, even though my grandmother grew up right, I grew up right across the street from Yankee Stadium when I was in the Bronx, and I always told my grandmother that I was going to work in that stadium one day. Uh, little did I know that it was going to be a, as a middle of the, a member of the media. I always thought I was going to be wearing the pinstripes of the New York Yankees. But uh, some of that, a lot of that, that drive came from being around my grandmother because I didn't have male figures in my life that was somebody that were true role models. My mom had a, a, a tough life, but, you know, she did the best she could, and she instilled a lot of values in me. And they always told me that if it's something that I wanted to do, if something I wanted to achieve, that I could. So they gave me that confidence early on in life. But they also said that if it's something that you really want, you got to work for it. You can't just talk about it. So I remember telling my mom one day, I said, Mom, I want to be an actor. I want to be on television. She's like, stop telling me about it. Go do it. Read a book. Go to the library, find out how others done did it, and uh, that's exactly what I did. So I knew kind of like when I was 13, 14, 15 years old that I wasn't going to be um, a professional athlete, but I said, you know what, there's a way to a means to, to get to other things in life. I, I got a love for sports. You know, I can still maybe get into uh, uh, broadcasting or sportscasting or whatever. Uh, and when I moved to Alabama at an early, when I was 13 years old, 13, 14 years old, there was a guy who lived in Alabama who worked at a local station, Channel 6 down in Birmingham, and his name was Michael Hill. 
and he looked just like me, a black man just like me, and he had my same name. I saw this man on the news, and people were like, are you related to him? And I'm like, no, I'm not related to him, but I saw him, and that was like one of the first guys that I saw of color doing the news, and he happened to have my name. And I said, you know what? I can do that. And the irony in that is that, <laughs> Trayvon, is that later in life, and this is a true story, four years later, I met his niece, who was not his niece through blood. His niece was someone who was married to his aunt, and that's how they became, you know, uh, uh, related. And I ended up, that, that woman ended up being my girlfriend and later my wife. So it was a what? great story how that first, yeah, yeah. She, she ended up being my first wife, and it was like, uh, yeah, it was a crazy story. And so I got a chance to meet him later on in life or whatnot, um, when we was, you know, become, became serious and whatnot, and he always encouraged me. He said, look, you know what? I know you're down here in Alabama. I had to learn how to talk all over again. We've got to understand I was born in the Bronx, so I had one accent there, then I moved to Alabama, and, and that accent started coming out. There was no parts of enunciation in my diction whatsoever. Uh, but he talked to me. He said, you know what? He believed in me. He said, you can do it if you put your mind to it. If you really work hard, I'm going to help you out. And he did a lot of things to help me out, man, to get to me, uh, get to get me to the point of where I could actually start my career. So when I went into the military, you know, it was something I always wanted to do. And uh, when I got into the military, I, I started off uh, in uh, communications where it was more so like a top secret type of thing, where working for a national security agency and things like that. But then I went to school and uh, learned the craft, got an internship. And the day I got out of the military is when I got my first job in broadcasting, and that was nearly 25 years ago. What? Now, I want to just go back to there's so much in the story that you just said. Yeah. And, and the first thing that I hear you talking about is that belief. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work in that, in that, in that, yard, in that, for that organization some kind of way. I'm going to be there. That belief. And that precedes yeah. everything. You, what we believe what we truly believe, not what we tell people we believe, but what we truly yeah. believe, that in some kind of way comes to our physical external world, right? And then, you know, fast forward, and your mom said, you know, stop talking to me about it. You know, the old saying, don't talk about it, be about it, right? Yep. So pick up a book, do something, put some energy behind the belief. Mm-hmm. These are like foundational, universal truths that we can all build our lives out of. And because this show is everyday peace, and that's something that I'm, I always look for, and it is constant in the, in, in the stories that I hear from people like yourself who've made a life of success, not a life without problems, trials, and tribulations, because that wouldn't be a life, right? That we grow through right. that trials and tribulations we just do i love that i have lessons learned not mistakes come on mm -hmm. that is that is so true and if we're and if we stay wise and we, we stay on top of our growth game we realize that there are no mistakes they're just lessons learned yeah. lessons learned. but they start with a belief and if i get get any listener right now to hear any part of your story there's easy to hear you know i'm sure people are googling and this isn't finding out all the you know the glam and the glitz of your life and your beautiful girlfriend and all that and that's beautiful but the essence of this story that i'm hearing is that mike hill started with a belief yeah didn't 
didn't know yeah. no no proof of this is ever going to happen and, you know, i'm you know and i'm from the south side of chicago so you want to talk about accents i understand <laughs> so, yeah. so but you know no proof there's no physical proof that this is ever going to happen but you hold it in your heart and you say this this is where i see myself despite of all the physical evidence that may say to the contrary and then someone says something so simple but yet so profound you know don't talk about it be about it put some muscle behind the screen let me see you pick up a book let me see you put some energy into where you want to go and lo and behold those two things do what they always do the universe starts spinning and you happen to see an african-american with the exact same name yes yes and you know we look All back yeah, and it's almost like a fairy tale, except for, and here's what I know, and you do too, all of the stuff that happened in between where you could have made a different decision, right? Because oh, yeah. when you're from a certain background, and I'm from a certain background too, and there's a lot of other opportunities to get involved with a lot of other stuff that has nothing to do with the dream and the belief that you have, but there's so much in your external environment that supports going the other way and he, he taking a shortcut here or there and it takes mm -hmm. a lot of belief and tenacity to say you know what i don't know where this other road the fork in the road is going to take me but i pretty much know where the other part of the road takes me because i got all these living examples i think i'll take the road less traveled and it's not just necessarily the physical distractions of the monetary gains or you know being a part of a crowd where you know hey you know growing up in a certain neighborhood which i grew up in where, where drugs were prevalent or drug dealers started happening and i grew up in the in the 80s and that was, that was in the, the the portion of my life where when crack cocaine started coming out and you start seeing some of your friends making money because of that there there are different choices i could have made along the way that could have definitely taken me out the path but once again even though i didn't have that strong male role model in my life thank god for my mom my grandmother that taught me about the dangers and let me know that I had a different path, and if I put my mind to it, I could. But also the other distractions that are out there because, you know, once again, things are different these days where you see a lot of representation and you still don't see a lot enough uh, of more diversity on television. You know, I got to understand back in the early 80s, you didn't see a lot of people that looked like me on television, especially doing the news or doing sports or whatnot. You may see them here and there, but it wasn't, you know, like 30 or 40%. It may have been like one person popping up on your local news station or whatever, especially down south in Alabama. So having seen that, having friends or even some family members who because of that and because of the background, because of the times, not believing that that was something that was viable for you. So they would be discouraging, like, oh, man, you can't do that, you know, blah, blah, blah. They don't, they don't put black people on the news. They don't do this. And you got to sound a certain way. You got to sound white. And you got all that. Somehow, some way, even despite all the distractions, I was able to put all of that out of my head. And the one thing that you've been talking about is belief. I believe that despite the odds, I can do it. And that is the main thing that anybody should know. Despite the odds, if you truly believe that you can do it, now you got to put the work in, you got to have the skill set you got to have the mindset, and you have to have help along the way. I understand all those things have to come together in your belief in God. But if you believe you can do it and you work hard and push towards doing it, by God, you can do whatever you put your mind to. There was a belief. 
at one time before 2008 that we wouldn't see a black president in this country. And right. Barack Obama, thank goodness, in 2004 when he had the, uh, you know, the, when he was the Democratic National Convention, people started believe, even when he was running in the Democratic primaries or whatever, people still did not believe that a black man could be the president of this country. But he, luckily for us, he believed himself. And he became, and now it opens up your mind when you see somebody else doing it. But you have to believe in yourself before anyone else can truly believe in you. If you don't believe in yourself, it doesn't matter who believes in you because you're going to ultimately fail if you're doubting yourself too seriously. Oh, my goodness. I wish we could have that printed on T-shirts and put, and you can, and put it everywhere for the world to see. Because, you know, and there's a couple of things. You're saying so much stuff that I really... It resonates with me, and I want it to resonate with our listeners and our listeners' children and, you know, grandchildren, because something that you said earlier was that you used to look for, and I'm going to paraphrase it, your validation in other people or, you know, where they were, they, where they were going, and they could define you to a certain degree. You know, obviously not all the way because you had a part of yourself that was, whole, and I believe that's that belief in there in the corner of our mind, but that distraction of trying to anchor ourselves to the wrong star that's not really, you know, it's, it's, it's glittery and it's shiny and it looks like it's doing something that we want to be associated with, but it's not serving us so that we can serve our purpose on the earth. That right there, understanding that sometimes the dream and the vision that you have, only you can see it. Other people can't see it, so they can't support it, right? It's foreign to them. Then there are those people that are that mean well who are so scared of their of of their greatness, so they can't support your greatness. They're afraid for you to take that leap or to make that move. And and so all of those things, we have got to understand that if we anchor ourselves to God, true source, true source, anchor ourselves to that, we'll be able to to walk like they say, walk in the world but not of the world. That means, right. you know, your opinion of me today doesn't shake me to the core where I need to change the way I walk or change this about myself when I know that the way I'm moving is leading me where I ultimately, ultimately want to go. And right. I, I mean, see just, that a lot. I, I see I that all a lot. That comes, that comes from, you know, you just, my background, my faith is my belief in God and knowing that. And, and once again, a lot of this stuff, that I'm saying I may not have been able to say 10, 15 years ago. I may not have been able to say six, seven years ago, but these are all the life lessons I've learned. I realized that because of all the things and the trials and tribulations that I've gone through in my life, I've learned to let go and let God. And also know that my path, my walkway, is already predetermined. So when I know that path and that walkway is already predetermined, I just let it happen. I just automatically just let it happen and I just enjoy the ride. It's not always going to be smooth. It's going to be a lot of bumpy roads along the way. But those bumpy roads always prepare you for where you need to be later on in life. There are still people out here that right now, and, and, and especially when you – people don't like change, if you notice that. Uh, I know you understand that. People, people don't like – people get so comfortable that they feel like if something changes, it just throws them completely off. And they don't like when other people change around them, especially if they're depending on you for something or if they're concerned about you in a certain way or they, 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 they're, they're really loving you. My mom, 
gets concerned when I say, look, you know what, I'm, I've been telling her I've been doing sports for the last 24 years. Now I want to transition, not necessarily completely out of sports, but I want to do other things because I feel like my purpose is growing. And because my purpose is growing, I want to do all these other things. My mom's like, she's such a good sportscaster. Mind you, because that's comfortable for her. It's not me anymore. It, I feel like there's a deeper calling, a more spiritual calling, a more – uh, more uh, a bigger platform that I, a bigger platform, bigger people I need to reach outside of the sports world uh, that, that I have to speak to, and, and that's where I'm moving towards. But there are people out there that will try and discourage you, uh, try and persuade you, but you have to listen to what's deep down inside your heart and in your emotions, and you got to move with that because your gut won't lead you the wrong way. Other people will lead you the wrong way, but you got to listen to your gut and you got to listen to God. When you do that. Your path is going to be clear, and no matter what mistakes you make along the way, you're still going to be on the right path, right road. Yes, and you know what you're saying reminds me of something that I have always told my daughter, who's just entering now her second year college. I said, but you can't share poster-sized vision with people who have note-sized dreams. And <laughs> I said, because your vision can be so big till it, it scares them and it casts a shadow. So they feel like, well, if you're, if you're dreaming this big, and my dreams are this small, it scares them, makes them feel inadequate. Not that you mean to do that. So you have to be, your vision sometimes isn't necessarily meant to be shared with everybody. They just have you're to right. see see the fruits of it. and Because they get scared and then you start walking in that. And if you're still a little bit shaky, thank goodness you weren't. Because a lot of times it is the people who love us. They love us. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's so funny because I used to tell people, I, and I graduated, got a doctorate degree in pharmacy, and, you know, that was a big thing. I'm proud of that. My family was proud of that. But it was always, you know, don't do anything to lose that good job. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, gosh, I hear that all the time. <laughs> so you couldn't really move out, you know, if you, in the confine. And for a lot of times I was because I was, like, you know, the first in my generation, really, the oldest go on to college of my mom's family and, and and I'm the oldest grandchild and me staying on my good job, they felt would make everybody else get on a good job. <laughs> so it was a lot, a lot of pressure, <laughs> right? right, but right at right. some point you have to say, you know, this is my journey and what will really help, you know, not just my little circle, but the world at large, much like what you're doing, you know, because you don't know my son all these miles away who knows you. And I was really surprised by that. I'm like, but he likes sports. So he's like, oh, yeah, now he follows particular people. So but this is what we are called to do. We are called to really move in the direction of our soul's purpose. And you can feel it. It's, it's almost like a magnet pulling you. We can't resist it. I want, we're going to take a short commercial break and we're going to come back and we're going to talk about how I fell in love with Mike Hill over an Instagram video. We'll be back after this message. Practical spirituality. Positive messages. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. As Unity Online Radio continues to expand its programming and outreach around the world, we depend on the generosity of listeners like you. If you enjoy the programming, please make your donation today by going to unityonlineradio.org and click on Donate. Thank you for your support. 
Here's a Unity Wisdom Moment with Eric Butterworth. We have mistaken the idea that life is a journey between certain limited points on an endless highway. You come into life and, and that down the road somewhere there's a tombstone that says this is where you stop and it's later than you think and we rush, rush, hurry, hurry, trying to get it all done. To jam it all into the journey because after all, as we say, life's all too short. And this is a totally erroneous concept. Time does not come into existence moment by moment and second by second and then pass on, pass on into nothingness. Time is basically the creation of earthbound man. There is no time in spirit, and whether or not you're aware of it, there's no time out there in outer space. There's nothing to set your watch by. Your watch is totally useless. There is always time enough to do the things that should be done. To hear more talks from Eric Butterworth, visit truthunity.net. Ready to roll the dice? Check out the new intention dice from Unity. Five dice, different colors, each with words that can prompt you to set an intention for the day, create an affirmation, or journal your thoughts. Roll the green die for abundance and see what comes up. Enriched, worthy, generous. Blue for health. Energetic, whole, radiant. Five dice, limitless possibilities for your life. Find them at unity.org dice. Get your copy of Unity Magazine this month and discover timeless spiritual principles that you can apply to your life today. David White discusses the connection between poetry and presence. Dan Milman outlines the four purposes of life. And Mirabai Starr celebrates the divine feminine in an excerpt from her latest book, Wild Mercy. Subscribe for one year and save $5 off the cover price and get the digital edition free. Go to unitymagazine.org and get a free trial issue today. The world is full of people with amazing stories. I'm Diane Ray, and make plans to join me every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Central for my radio show, Be Present. Each week, I invite you to join in the conversation as I talk to guests about health and wellness, spirituality, metaphysics, philosophy, and a lot more. I want to share information that you can apply to your life today. Listen live or download the show later on demand. I hope you can tune in here on unityonlineradio.org, the voice of an awakening world. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. Create and build the life of your dreams. Welcome back to Everyday Peace with Dr. Drayvon James. We're coming back. We have Mike Hill. This is Dr. Drayvon James with Everyday Peace with Dr. Drayvon James. We have the broadcaster, Mike Hill. But I want to share with you guys, uh, and Mike, you can jump in because I mean, I have all the facts, right? But I was sitting one evening, late in the evening, and just scrolling through the social media pages and trying to just find something that was entertaining. And I came across Mike Hill. I started this show off by telling you all that I'm not necessarily your biggest sports person. I, I got a son who's good in basketball. He's a, he's an athlete. He's a cross country runner, track runner. So I'm at every event that he's in and I learn everything that he does. But outside of that, I'm not your person who's watching the Super Bowl and all that kind of stuff, except for I like the, you know, the food and the camaraderie. But I see Mike Hill and he, Something about his face, he, you know, he was just a regular, ordinary guy. And I pushed on this video, and he was celebrating. And I, it, but he didn't seem particularly celebratory. So I said, let me, let me check this out and find out what's going on. And I listened to him, and it was the day 
you were celebrating the day that you got let go from ESPN. Yeah. And that got my, I must have watched that video. I actually took notes on it. What he was saying, it was a short video, but I, I'm always looking for little jewels that really speak to my heart about what I know my mission is with everyday peace, to show people how to use everything that shows up in their life, the good, the bad, and the in-between as a stepping stone, a building block, if you will, to creating the life of your dreams. And here he was on Instagram. He didn't know Drayvon. I didn't know him. Here he was doing the whole job for me. And I fell in love. I'm like, oh my goodness. He talked about, you know, how ESPN, he thought it was the worst thing that happened to him. You know, it was a little bit bitter. And now, you know, if you guys Google him, if you don't already know him, beautiful, beautiful girlfriend, beautiful, beautiful life, just amazing. Tell us a little bit about what happened at ESPN and how you became, how you made the decision. When did you make the decision to make that day the best day of your life? I mean, look, you know, I've been disappointed a couple of times. I was that that was the six year anniversary of me being let go at ESPN, and. Uh, you know, like you said, the day it happened, there was a little shock. There was a, obviously, there's embarrassment because you spend nearly 10 years at a, a, a network and you build a name for yourself and people know who you are or whatever, and then you got to walk out with a box. I mean, there's a, you know, it's a little embarrassment. And in the beginning, I, I didn't know how to express that embarrassment. So it came out in bitterness and, and pain and lashing out and whatnot. Uh, and, but over a period of time, I had to realize that, you know what, with that bitterness, that pain, or that embarrassment, or whatever, or that disappointment, I should say, comes a blessing. And you don't see the blessing sometimes uh, until a little bit later. You know, I, you know once again, I got to put God in. God puts you in uh, very uncomfortable situations sometimes to move you because he's been telling you to move for a long period of time, and you just haven't done what he's asked you to do, so he's got to do it himself. And sometimes it comes out that way. I, I look at it this way because when it happened, I actually was trying to get to L.A. for the longest time. I knew when I came out here the first time in 1996 that I was destined to be in L.A. Like you said, there's something that's inside of you that pulls you to a certain city. And I knew I was supposed to be in L.A. a long time ago. When ESPN let me go, I actually had already known that Fox Sports wanted to hire me, right? I wanted to leave ESPN on my own terms, and it didn't happen that way. And the way ESPN let me go was they let me go with a – they didn't realize it, but there was a year and a half still left on my contract. So even though they let me go, the embarrassment was there, and I'm like, how could you do this to me? You know what? It's almost like somebody breaking up. You want to break up with your girlfriend, uh, but she breaks up with you first. And it's right. like, no, I was going to break up with you first. So, <laughs> so that, that's basically how it happened. And so it's like, okay, I mean, she's there embarrassed me, but at the same time, you knew that you already had somebody else in mind that you wanted to be with that was actually your soulmate. So in, in ESPN's case, let me go actually paid off for me literally and figuratively because I still had that year and a half on my contract that they didn't know about because they got the dates wrong, and they had to pay me. <laughs> so wow. they paid me, and then I still ended up a couple of weeks later coming out here to Fox, and I had already talked to them or whatnot, came out here and talked to the people again, and uh, got the job right away and, and worked the you know, settlement with ESPN so I can get, you know, most of my money there and whatnot, which put my kids through college for the most part, and uh, came out here and worked for Fox, which made me happier. But at the time, I was looking at the bitterness, uh, the discouragement, the pain, the, the embarrassment, 
of being let go from the worldwide leader in sports and everybody saying you got fired. That's a negative connotation. When somebody says you got fired, it's almost like people are telling you you failed and they can hold that against you. Or you're not good enough. Right. Or you're not good enough. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. But I had to change that whole perspective and that narrative for myself and basically say, you know what? I know myself. It just didn't work out. This was the way I'm supposed to be, and God put me in a position where I was supposed to be. Same thing happened when I was in Dallas. I had a situation where I was in Dallas, and, you know, uh, it, it just didn't work out. It was just a terrible situation. I can't really go too far in details with that one. But if it hadn't been what I went through in Dallas, I would not have ended up at ESPN because I would have been content being in Dallas living that life because I was already tired of moving around as far as being a sportscaster. If it wouldn't have been for those two firings that I went through, I would not be the person that I am today as far as my mindset is concerned. I wouldn't be the broadcaster that I am. I wouldn't have this voice that I have right now. I wouldn't have met the woman of my dreams who uh, is the love of my life right now. There are so many different things that would not have happened in my life. Had great things. I mean, life-altering things that if it wouldn't have happened in my life, I would not be where I am right now. And I'm talking about right now, i got to tell you, Dr. Drayvon, I am the happiest that I have ever been in my life, both personally and professionally. Things aren't perfect. Things aren't perfect. I still wish there are certain things I could do, but I am far from bad. But I'm more importantly, deep down inside, I'm happy, and I owe it to the fact that I was put in those uncomfortable situations that allowed me to have those life lessons that made me a better person, that put me in a position to grow in both my personal and professional life. So that's why I celebrate that anniversary, because if God wouldn't have moved me, if I wouldn't have been in that situation, if they wouldn't have done that, I wouldn't be in a position that I am today. That is beautiful. And for our listening audience, we're talking to Mike Hill, um, broadcaster. And I want to say that whoever you are right now today, we're talking about trials and tribulations at every season of life. So getting fired from a job, a lot of us have experienced that. Divorce, a lot of us have experienced that. Sickness, illness for family, ourselves, our, you know, disappointments with our children, ch- trials and tribulations there. These are all circumstances that can make us, you know, shake our fist at the sky and say, why me? Why me? You know, we have that stance. And um, I, I, I got to tell you guys, I'm in a nostalgic kind of mood because uh, <laughs> there's a line from a uh, Oh, gosh, it, just, it was a Bill Cosby movie, but he says, why not you, right? <laughs> but anyway, uh, right. I think it's Nobia. Right. But here's the thing that I want to say, that if we, myself included, all of us in the listening audience, in, can in the middle of our trial or tribulation, in the middle of that storm, anchor ourselves to the fact of the statement, beloved, I would that you would prosper, even as your soul prospers. There is something that you are meant to learn in this season that seems so painful that if you would just embrace it and don't even, sometimes, you know, you look at stuff. I've talked to people who've had things that I can't, you know, I don't have any earthly explanation as to why your child didn't make it or why your marriage didn't make it or why your health failed. But here's what I do know, that if you would anchor yourself to that you serve a God who loves you, that who loves you, and that you can, this can be used not only for, for your betterment, but for the betterment of the kingdom. But you can, you prosper from this, no matter how difficult the situation looks. So anchor yourself to the truth that you can build here. And I love the idea. You talked about your divorce. You talked about 
this heartache and getting fired to me is, you know, divorce and heartache and firing are two ways for people to feel rejected. Like I'm just not good enough. I put my heart and soul. It takes a lot to make a marriage go. It takes a lot to do these careers. And for somebody to say, no, thank you. We don't want what you have to offer any longer. That's huge. It's huge to the ego. It's huge to your finances. It's huge. And we're talking about change on a, on a cellular level where we don't really want change. Right. You talked about that earlier. Most of us do not want change, but the sooner we can embrace change, the better. And that's, that's one thing I love about this younger generation that didn't really so much exist. You know, when I was first coming up, you know, the, there was this mindset that you get, a, you get on a job and you try to hold on to that for 30 years. You're trying to get a retirement out of that. Now yep. I, meet, I meet these young people who have these extraordinary careers and these, you know, massive amount of educational debt and they are not necessarily looking to retire from your company they're looking to come here yeah i can't they'll say oh i came to this company to learn i learned such and such my son and i were on a college tour and we met some young people who were working for google for youtube for facebook and they were really their mindset was like i'm here for a season i got to get this so i can get on to this next thing and i like that sense of embracing change learning that that everything that you're looking at today may not look the same a year from today, six months from today, and that's okay. That right. you will be provided for in that next season of life if you would only embrace it and learn to embrace change. And sometimes it looks like disappointment. It rarely shows up as, oh my goodness, you've hit the lottery. Your life is going to change. <laughs> right, right. Right. It usually so, shows up as, oh, this looks like it's going to be taken from you. Your life is going to be changed. Oh, your diet or your health needs to be, you know, modified due to this condition. Your life is going to change. It usually shows up in ways like that. And since we know that, you guys know on this show, I always talk about the big three. You know, every desire that we have in life, according to Dr. Drayvon James, falls into one or three categories, health, wealth, or relationship. And so when we have challenges, right, it would just stand the reason that we're going to have challenges in our health wealth and relationship categories and knowing that knowing that moving through you know something happens in a job say okay this is a this is a a a wealth challenge i'm being challenged in my wealth you know then taking a look at your relationships taking a look at your your health finding something to be grateful for finding something to be grateful for is magical in the middle of the and you know and then you found you know hey they owe me a year and a half out of this contract I mean, that was a blessing. Think about that. If I would have, because if I would have stayed at ESPN, say, because here's the thing, and what I didn't mention is that I had met with Fox like five months before that. And I knew I was under contract with ESPN at that time for another two years. And Fox wanted to hire me. They wanted to, and everything they did was telling me was like everything I wanted to do in my career. But I was under contract to ESPN, and I felt trapped because I Look, I didn't really want to be at ESPN anymore. I, I, I appreciated what they did. The platform, of course, it was a huge platform. But Fox was offering me and saying, hey, you know what? Man, you come here. You can do this. You can do this. This is what we want you to do. We want your personality. And I felt like I was being lost at ESPN. I felt like, and no fault to, their, to, to them, it's more of what I accepted from them. So don't, don't get it wrong. It, but I felt like I was losing my identity there. And Fox like, no, we want you to be who you are. And so after I had that meeting five months prior to all that going down, I felt like I want to get out. I want to get out. But Fox wouldn't offer me a contract because I was still under contract at ESPN. That would have been tampering. And I didn't want to go to ESPN and say, hey, let me out of my contract so I can go to a competitor. Because if they would have said no and it would have been time to renew, 
then they would have been like, oh, you tried to leave, so we're not going to give you a job. And then who knows if the job would have been there when my contract was actually up a year and a half. So it's a lot of thinking that went into it. So God, talking to God, putting it in God's hands, that happened. And like I said, when it happened, I didn't see it for what God wanted it to be, but God was giving me my release at that time. And then yes. when I saw that, then the job at Fox was still available in another capacity. And I went right over there, and they said, yeah, we have you. And they created something for me. And when they created something for me, I had a, a, a job. I had this steady income. I got the chance to come to L.A., where God told me to be back in 1996. I knew I needed to be out here because there was a purpose. So I came out here. I was happy. And once again, because ESPN made a mistake when it came to the contract, they owed me money. So I got a severance, a nice little fat check right there. So it was on top of that. So if you can't look at that as a blessing, there's something that's totally wrong with you. And that's why I looked at it. Now I look at it as a blessing. It's like, wow, I am happy now because even when I came to Fox, I came here, I was humble. I was like, okay, you know, the money was okay or whatever. But then three months in, Fox was like, you know what, Mike, we want to create another show. And we want to make it your show. And we want to tear up your contract, and we're going to give you a 150% raise. What? I mean, all that stuff happened. Yes, all that stuff happened within, within I, I got fired in May of 2013. By November, December of 2013, all that stuff happened. He tore up my contract, gave me a, a 150% raise. Now, I so, want to stop right there one way? for one second, because during that time period, and there are listeners who are right now who are going through it, right? So during that time period, can you imagine, listeners, I, I, it's in my heart, too, that first of all, like you said, the pain and embarrassment, you're walking out, you know, I've been fired from a job before, and you're like, you didn't need security for me to come in here. I need security for me to leave. I'm the same person who showed up at seven. <laughs> but so and all this is going on, and then you you, you go home, you, you, you make that drive home, it's the middle of the day, early day, you're not usually home at that time of day or what have you. I, and I'm thinking about anything, guys. You get a report from the doctor, you get a lab report from the doctor, and you got to sit with your thoughts in this yeah. event. And that can be torment. That can be torment. I get it. I know I've been there. That can be torment for you to sit in that space. But I yeah, would, yeah, I encourage you doing those because, you know, you, you can only talk to so many friends and, you know, and then the bitterment starts to set in. If, if you don't say to yourself or say out loud, because I have to talk out loud sometimes to my ego because it can really be belligerent sometimes. And I have to yeah. tell you, I serve an infinite God. I don't, yeah. with my finite knowledge, I don't know. This is just really hurts right now. I acknowledge that. it. This hurts. This hurts. Nobody gets it. It hurts. I'm hurt. I So I acknowledge that. But then I have to say on the hills of that statement, I serve an infinite God whose word tells me that he loves me like I'm his only child. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it is no way, it is absolutely no way that if you anchor yourself to that type of love, that you're going to just be left out there. Whatever you have. Never leave nor forsake you. Never leave nor forsake you. Never leave you. And that's amazing to each and every one of us. So each and every one of us has a different goal. And there's no goal. I say this all the time. There's no extra people on this planet. There's no goal that's too small. I met a woman one time. She said, you know, Drayvon, my goals are not like yours. She goes, I just really want to be a wife and a mother. I'm like, that's huge. That's yeah. huge. You want to raise children for the kingdom. That is huge. So there's no mm -hmm. goal that's too small. There's no goal that's too big. The point is once you purpose it in your heart and you don't let an external situation move that.
You don't let somebody else's, you know, because God actually uses how I see it and what I'm hearing you say. He used, you know, you purpose in your heart, I want to go to Fox. And the universe said, okay, I'm going to make that happen for you. <laughs> that's, that's exactly how it happened, too. And he made that happen. And once again, Fox happened to be out here in Los Angeles where I knew I wanted to live. And I've always been drawn to this, this city. I've always, like I said, the first time I came here, I, looked, I went to a party. I, I sat on my Camry, my Toyota Camry, and I looked in the sky, and I, something spoke to me and said, this is your home. And every time I came back to L.A., I felt like this is home. And it wasn't the glitz, the glamour, being around people in Hollywood or the parties or anything like that. I just felt like this is home. And that's what, how I made, he made it work, and I got out here and had a job. The most disappointing part with, with the ESPN thing was, like you said, it's the embarrassment, and then everybody calling you and everybody knowing and, you know, still the social media age and people making comments here and there and whatnot and letting their true feelings be heard. And then, But the hardest part for me was I came home and I told my, my daughter, who was – she was 10 at the time. and uh, No, she was 11. And, and I told her, she's like – in the most innocent way, she said, why, Dad, you're so good at what you do. Why would they do that to you? And that was crushing. That was so crushing to me because, like, I didn't have an explanation. I had to tell her, look, you know what? People make decisions in life, and you're going to be disappointed. Uh, but it's how you react to those disappointments. It's how you overcome those disappointments. And it's a success story that everybody wants to have told because it's redemption that's out there. So you can waddle. You can feel sorry for yourself. Once again, you can feel bitter. And all those things are natural. I understand that. You're going to have that, that, that moment in time where you're going to feel sorry for yourself and bitter and upset and why, why, why. But you got to shake that off very quickly. And you got to get back up, and you got to understand that, like you said, our God is an infinite God, and He will never leave nor forsake you. And whatever's happening in your life may hurt, and you might go through something, but that's the main thing. You're going through it. You're not staying in it. But as long as your mind tells you to stay in this this point right here and stay in this space, you're never going to get to where God wants you to go. So you got to understand you're going through it, and in order to go through it, you got to walk past it and get past all the hurt and the indignity and all the, the pain that was caused by whatever uh, failure that society feels like happening to you because sometimes you just fail up, and that's what happened to me. And that's the mindset that you got to have. you got to fail up sometimes. But you got to take a step back in order to take ten steps up, and that's what's happening to me. So I'm grateful for it. So that's why I say when – and now I look at life a little bit differently, Dr. Trayvon, because I used to get upset when – uh, I'd be up for something, my agent would put me up for a job, and I'd be one of the finalists and then find out I didn't get it because of this reason or because of that reason or you know, feel like I had it. I used to get upset, like, well, wow, I, is he better than me or is she better than me or why did I get that? I... What I realized is what's for me is for me, and what's for them is for them, and I can't worry about what I don't get. I can't really worry about the things I do get. I just got to take control and do the things I need to do once I do get them and be grateful for everything that I do get, but also be grateful for the things I didn't get because maybe that will open up a door or keep a door open for me to get the things that I really need in my life that's going to catapult myself as far as my career and my personal life is concerned. That, you know, and, and that comes from experience, that mindset comes from experience. I got to tell you, I'm an actress and I was on the, in New York the other day audition for this show and I've auditioned for them before and as I'm doing the audition sitting there waiting for my turn to audition and you know I'm like oh they're running a little bit behind and I 
had this, I remember sitting in auditions before where I would think to myself, if this is the be all, you know, this audition, this role. And when you audition a lot and you don't get, you know, you get a small percentage of what you audition for. That's just the name of the game. But at right. some point you do reach a point where you realize your everything is not hinged to just one thing and you become thankful for what you do have in your life. And as I looked around that room of people who were waiting for their, for their appointment time, you know, I prayed for them and I, and I became extremely grateful for myself. I said, I'm going to leave here in a couple hours. I got my, you know, radio program that I host and I'm doing things that I love that I believe that are putting seed into the universe for other people to do their dream. And it's just freeing to realize that you don't have to have this anxiousness about any, the word of God says, be anxious for nothing. Right. You don't have to have this anxious energy because when you know, like, you know, and that's, that's your only job is to know, like, you know, it is not your job to know what the next step is or what door to go through next. Your only job is to know, like, you know, and when it looks like it and when it doesn't look like it, and that's a big job. Yeah. That's a full-time yeah. job. That's your gut. And to know, once again, that the things that are for you are for you. And there's no need to be anxious. I always give my friends these three words, like, don't you worry. Don't you worry. If you pray about it, you put it in God's hands, and you believe it, if it's meant for you, you'll have it. But don't worry about it. You can't worry about what other people, because I put it in, in your perspective as an actress. You could be up for a role, and you'd be like, oh, man, I want this movie. This movie is going to be on, I don't know, like uh, on AMC. I'm just saying, like, it's gonna be a, it could be a TV movie. And you could be up for that role, and you don't, but you, you, you're, you're getting callbacks or whatnot, and last second they decide to go with another actor. And you're going to be so disappointed. You're going to be mad. You're going to look at the other actress a little bit and say, well, wow, so much better. Oh, and they got her because of this. You can make all the excuses in the world or whatnot. You can look at it that way, or who knows what God has in store for you because, what if you would have gotten that role, right, and you're filming that movie for AMC for a TV movie or whatever, and all of a sudden a film comes available where you can start alongside Denzel Washington and your agent wants you to audition. But because you're filming this movie right, right now, you're filming this movie, that, you, you can't do this over here. So instead of looking at it like this, like, okay, well, that wasn't for me. God's got something bigger for me. I don't know what it is. But maybe I impress somebody in that audition room so what so much that they're gonna remember me for something maybe a year and a half down the line, or maybe something else bigger is coming along that if I would have been doing this movie, I wouldn't have been available for. So you gotta look at it that way and keep that positive mindset yes. when it comes to that type. Of and that's why I go back to it and why I fell in love with your story is because when you know, like you know, like in, back in back in May, you had no idea. That in December, November, December of that same year, you'd be moving on to your purpose. But there are some things you got to do. You got to exercise some type of muscle in the middle of the storm. And I would really encourage somebody right now. And I know that there are people who are under the sound of our voice who are in situations that they just don't understand what's going on. Like it's a storm raging. You feel like you're being attacked from everywhere. But you got a dream. You got a purpose in your heart, either for you or your family or someone that you love. Hold on. This is your season of anchoring. And you got to hope that every thought that you have has got to be in this season when it's pouring down raining because it rains on the just and the unjust. In this season, you've got to keep your mind set on that dream. Keep your mind set on that belief. Do things. Get out in nature. 
be in the sunlight with that dream on your heart. That's it. No matter if you're going back. I talked to a lady the other day. She told me she lived in without gas and electric or without electricity for over six months. But in that space, she was able to save this incredible amount of money. And she did this stuff because she she anchored herself to this is my dream. It, it doesn't matter that the lights are out. I mean, I would love for the lights to be on, but lights on, lights off. The dream is the same. The belief is the same. And that's what I hear from your story. That's what happened for me the day that I met you over the Instagram. I am super happy that we are here together today because I didn't know way back then in the middle of a storm that I was having that I'd actually, but except for I knew that I would. I didn't know how it would happen. So um, you made it. I mean, I'm already a believer, but I hope I've made a believer out of some of our listeners. We're almost out of time. We have been on this show today, Everyday Peace with Dr. Drayvon James with Mike Hill. It has been my pleasure to be a part of your life today and to share you with our listening audience. It's been my pleasure. It's been my honor. I thank you. I've learned a lot from you. Just hearing your voice and hearing your positivity and your message, it just it, it reaffirms everything that, that I know. So I appreciate everything, and I, I, I thank you for what you're doing for the community as well. You're very welcome. This is Everyday Peace with Dr. Drayvon James. Until next Monday, 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, continue living a life of peace. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Life is hard, and sometimes you need a little help and guidance. I'm Laura West, host of a Guided Life podcast, and I believe that help is all around us. We just have to ask for it. The universe has a way of guiding us forward with the help of our past loved ones, angels, spirit guides, and ascended masters. On the podcast, I love to explore these ideas with incredible guests and let people know that they are never alone. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you can join me on this journey. Part of the mindbodyspirit.fm network and wherever you get your podcasts.